So when I originally chose this passage that we're about to hear, 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 10, I was really inspired by this text because of its focus on God's call, this idea of what it means to be one of God's own. And I thought this text could perfectly pave the way for us as we prepare to celebrate Pentecost, the birthday of the church, just next week, a week from today. But the events that affected our nation this week challenged me to think about this text much differently. I was no longer thinking about this message in relation to a birthday party. I started to think about what these words mean in relation to a funeral. What does it mean to be this royal priesthood First Peter references in light of such tragedy and grief? How do we respond faithfully? How do we protect ourselves from falling into the patterns of doom-scrolling, criticizing, rage, and anger? So we're going to wrestle with this a bit today. I invite you now to ponder these questions as the passage is read. Awaken yourselves to whatever the Holy Spirit might be percolating and let us open our hearts and minds to what God is saying to the church. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This honor, then, is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner. And a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Amen. So again, what does this phrase, a royal priesthood, truly mean? This language can be a bit perplexing for us as the reader, 
This word royal feels a bit daunting. It's a word that feels better fit to describe Queen Elizabeth or the castmates of the crown, not followers of Jesus. But to be royal in this context means to offer our very best to God. When Jesus refers to us as the royal priesthood, this is our call to proclaim God's goodness and to take the form of mutual submission so that we may honor others before ourselves. This text is so rich with formative language. There is a tightly woven construction of identity taking place here. This language of faith is proclaimed, spoken by the author, to establish, to shape, and to grow the early Christian community. This is a high calling that we are invited to live into, where our connections to God align with our commitments to serve God, where our worship and our service and our devotion all point to God's kingdom. Our reading today is the culmination of essential, creative, identity-forming language of our faith. And it reflects our ultimate goal as a Christian community, to be known into being by Christ. The notion of a royal priesthood, this is a roll call for all those who desire to be and act like Jesus, to build one another up, and to devote our lives to God's service. Here, the word priesthood, this is a synonym for community. In downtown Richmond, we have a long history of working together with our community partners. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, the Reverend Reuben Boyd from Third Street Bethel AME came here to lead worship with us. And a few weeks prior to that, Alec went to preach the good word for Reuben's congregation. We are hard at work to reopen our child care center in a new partnership with our neighbors over at the YWCA. We cherish our community partners here. It's a good thing. On Wednesday evening, some of us gathered on the steps of St. Paul's Episcopal Church for a prayer vigil for the many victims of gun violence. Many of us from different faith backgrounds, neighborhoods, age groups, we gathered together for a moment of pause. A moment to stand together and remind ourselves of who we belong to, whose we are. During that brief gathering, we sang, we prayed, we listened, and we vowed in that moment to be practitioners in community building. This is how we model what it means to be a royal priesthood, to gather together as people of God's light in the midst of darkness and to motivate one another to offer our very best to God. Peter also refers to the community at large here as a holy nation. And this is another one of those intimidating visions to live into. 
the shooting on Tuesday at Robb Elementary School. Honestly, that made me lose hope in this holy nation vision. Over and over again, I've asked myself, how do we live into this calling right now? Our vision of living in harmony is now clouded with tears, grief, sadness, despair, anger, and rage. This tragedy has surfaced so much division and sadness, we are not even sure where to begin. We feel like whatever opinion we formulate could be wrong. We run the risk of being criticized for caring too much about one's life or too little about policy and everything in between. But I dare to say that God's kingdom vision for us, that does not include the Second Amendment. It does not include bigotry or deceit. It does not include name-calling or vicious arguments on social media. God's vision for the royal priesthood, y'all, this isn't an individual task to negotiate. This is a shared task. This is kingdom calling a holy nation. And this unified vision, this is reflected in the plural language that the author uses. We are God's people. Over the last several days, I've noticed a phrase circulating amongst various social media and news platforms. Perhaps some of you have seen this too. It reads, thoughts and prayers are not enough. And full transparency right now, I am pushing back on this. I am struggling with this when I hear it. I would like to advocate for thoughts and prayers alongside action. This isn't to say that prayer is the only answer, but prayer has purpose. Prayer comforts us. Prayer is powerful, and prayer is a vital piece of our journey to further, uh, to further our role as a royal priesthood. And we have countless examples of the importance of prayer. On multiple occasions, Jesus prayed with his disciples, and he went on to evoke change. And even more so beyond scripture, before every meeting of the legislative leaders, clergy are invited to come and pray over the chambers. Before a newly elected leader is sworn into office, a prayer takes place. Prayer has purpose. Prayer is powerful, and prayer is our unified language as God's beloved. One evening in particular stands out to me as an example of the power of prayer. I was doing my chaplaincy internship at the Veterans Hospital here in Richmond. This is the summer of 2019, and I had arrived for my late shift. It was about 4 p.m., and the phone rang in the office. And the chaplain never gets called when something good happens, you know. 
I answered the call and was directed to report to the surgical unit because it was urgent. I rushed upstairs wondering what in the world I was about to witness. And when I opened the door, it was like I was stepping onto the set of an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I mean, there were multiple doctors and nurses trying to resuscitate an elderly man who had stopped breathing. There were sounds of medical devices going off and tears rolling down the faces of this family, the members and the loved ones present. My colleague and I were trying to comfort this family as they were literally watching this man die. We were so overwhelmed by all of the commotion that surrounded us, neither of us were sure what to do next. But then, all of a sudden, after the doctors confirmed the patient's time of death, and the hospital staff, they all expressed their condolences to the family. My colleague opened his mouth and said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. We joined our voices together and we prayed. In this moment of immense stress and tragedy, we paused to pray. It was our attempt at giving this grieving family an ounce of God's light. When we were done praying, I stayed with the family for the next couple of hours. As they prepared to leave Richmond, I know that they were still sad. I know that they were grieving. I know that they were not sure of how life was going to go on without their loved one present. But they left knowing that they were not alone and that they were loved as one of God's own. Friends, this vision that God has cast for us, it is not lost in the midst of this turmoil. It is still very much at the forefront of our calling. And while we are painfully aware that thoughts and prayers are not enough, thoughts and prayers, those are still essential, meaningful, relational, and go hand in hand with change. Prayer is not busy background music. Prayer is the overture into our next steps, our stepping stone to embodying what it means to be a royal priesthood. We are many individual voices contributing to the same choir. And that's why this task is written in the plural. This is a shared mission. So I'll ask you again, what does it mean to be a royal priesthood? And let me be quick to say that I don't know that's a perfectly valid response. But let's keep working on it. This is an identity that we seek to live into. God's people who are called and expected to be better than we have been, special and precious in the eyes of God. Like royal, holy, which means set apart to do God's work. 
We are continually called to live in this way, especially in times such as these. As the final sentence reminds us, we were once in darkness and now we are in God's light. This is a helpful phrase that emerges many a times throughout Scripture. So clearly, this is an important takeaway for our faithful living. Darkness never overcomes God's light. We are called to live into God's light, to be practitioners of God's light. God is urging us to listen, to join hand in hand, to pray, to discern, and to work together for the betterment of the kingdom. We are better together. As you all well know, at the conclusion of every sermon here at Second Prez, we bow our heads together for a prayer of commitment. It's an invitation to recommit our lives to doing God's work both within and outside of this building. And today, I am asking God to keep showing us the way to be a royal priesthood, to make us people of God's light, in the midst of darkness, so that our connections to God will always align with our commitments to serve God, pointing us to the kingdom. Come, open your heart. Show your mercy to all those in fear. We are called to be hope for the hopeless. So hatred and violence will be no more. We are called to act with justice. We are called to love tenderly. We are called to serve one another, to walk humbly with God. Amen.